Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Movement is life, such as the mantra of Diane Jakobowitz, who founded the DanceWave Company more than 25 years ago with the mission of developing programs to capture the talents and imagination of young dancers. In today's episode, Diane will talk about her singular journey from her own dance and choreography company to connecting with young artists, to now focusing her teaching on healing, fitness, and self-care, including creative movement workshops for elders. Diana will describe the concept of eccentrics fitness, how we can be fit at every age and stage of life, a physical state not calculated in miles or muscle mass, but rather measured by one's ability to move freely, actively, and without pain. So break out some of the elements of eccentrics, rebalancing our body, how movement patterns affect body type, strategies for increasing our energy. Today's conversation is part one of a unique two-part series with Diane on creative aging through dance, healing, wellness, and how to stay young through movement. So now let's meet our guest, Diane Jacobowitz. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So first off, you you have people can see on my Roel Resources website, if they click on the 45 forward tab, you can see Diane's extensive resume, fascinating life. Um, and uh, what I what I always like to do for the, my guests as we start is just to let them, in their own words, tell about how they got to where they are today. Describe a little bit about your journey. So uh, let's let's hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, uh, I think that ever since I was a very little girl, I always wanted to be a dancer. I was just one of those at four years old who who knew that that was the direction of my life, and I followed it. I became. Uh, a dance major, you know, I was dancing in high school. There was actually a little dance company that I was involved in in high school um, that was very inspiring. Uh, and then I went off to become a dance major at Ohio State and I got my BFA in dance. Uh, I went, in, I immediately uh, graduated and went into professional dance. I started to choreograph, do my own work. Uh, and then I went back to school and mm -hmm. I got a master's degree in dance at Connecticut College, an MFA, uh, and graduated, continued to study dance and to choreograph and created my own dance company, Diane Jacobowitz mm -hmm. Dance Theater, that performed all over the East Coast. And I kept it going. I was really going for it as a choreographer. Um, until I became a mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, it was around when my daughter turned two years old that I realized that um, it was going to be either being a mom, having a family, or having my dance company. And the dance company is like a baby. Mm -hmm. It was just more and more demanding and also expensive because, you know, you really have to be able to pay your dancers and you have to be able to pay for rehearsals and you're renting space and you're trying to get everybody produced. And it, it's an expensive venture. Um, and I had a kind of epiphany uh, 
early on where I realized that I could reach more people um, if I focused on young people. And Mm -hmm. at that time, like I said, I had a two-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. So I created something called the Kids Cafe Festival, which was a citywide festival. And they had children from every neighborhood of New York City doing their own dance and who uh, had a common bond of movement, right? Mm -hmm. Of movement, you know, Dancers from Harlem, dancers from Bed-Stuy, dancers from the Upper East Side, dancers from Park Slope in Brooklyn. And we brought all these kids together and we called it the Kids Cafe Festival. And it was a big hit. And we did that for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, at that point, I created Dance Wave as a nonprofit organization. I was the founder, the artistic director, the executive director, and the cook and bottle wash. You know, it was just really everything and found myself once again in an overwhelming position but i grew dance wave i grew dance wave in the belief that young people of all stripes and backgrounds needed to have that beautiful um education of movement that they needed to have the opportunity the equal opportunity to be expressive to be able to move their bodies and grow i've always that's always been a mantra for me. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring uh, dance to the city schools and get thousands of kids uh, free dance classes. So we were able through the you know Department of Education who could help support that. We were we were serving kids from all over. Right. New York city. And I'm, I'm very proud of that because yeah. there are so many kids who still come back to me who have thanked me and who um, had such an incredible experience dancing at dance wave because we had companies we had these kid companies and the kids got a chance to perform and grow up dancing at dance wave and it was a whole world and it um was my life for 25 years right and uh i got dance wave right towards the end which was in 2019 Uh, we got a building i got a home for i got the city to actually support uh-huh. Right. Right. That's right. Um, and at that point, we sort of moved into the pandemic. Right. And shortly in the middle of the pandemic, I realized that, um, you know, my hip was hurting a lot. We were talking about this run before, which is that, um, you know, from sitting more than moving, I started to get a lot of hip pain. And, um, you know, it's a combination of that and getting older and feeling that it was time for me to move on. I stepped off my role as ED, artistic director of Dance Wave. And um, one of the first things I did was get a hip replacement. (laughs) So, uh, but, you know, it was uh, a release for my job. And at the same time, it was the opening of a new life for me because right. I realized that so much of my life um, up to that point was focused on dance wave, was serving dance wave, was serving the thousands of kids who I love so much and bringing them the joy of dance, but not really taking care of myself. Right. Um, and I am so grateful that I have the life and the opportunity to have sort of this second opportunity now to sort of focus on movement in a different direction, um, to be more involved with self-care and what does self-care mean to the people that I'm teaching and working with 
And how does that enhance our life and also extend our life, you know, yeah. through movement and through the happiness and joy right. of moving our bodies? Yeah. So this is a good segue to, uh, so there are a few things that I, I, I heard you saying. And number one, um, your life began with movement and dance, and then you know, that's your passion. And like many of us, similarly for me, early passion is writing, but then you get good at what you do and you get sometimes promoted <laughs> as editors or sometimes as administrators or creators or entrepreneurs. And you're, you're no longer doing what you did. You know, that was the initial passion. So that's still there and you're moving it, that passion in a forward in a, in a new way. Um, and you've discovered what also happened to me as a writer, which is, oh my God, I'm sitting all the time. And so I didn't have a hip replacement, but I don't know how close I got to it because there was a time a couple of years ago when I was doing a project and not getting up and not moving. When I, after finishing the project, you know, diligently, okay, got it done. Then my whole body froze up uh, with inflammation and pain. And it took me several months of physical therapy to get out of it. And I realized movement, 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 as you said. Um, so, um, that's really, uh, I think critical, um, that you just mentioned and, and now you're moving, but as you said, you're moving, moving literally and moving figuratively into a new era, you know? So, so talk about what, how you focus on movement now. Right. So, um, a couple of years before I left dance wave, I, uh, my mother was, had a, she at 93 had a hip replacement. Now that's kind of crazy because honestly, mm. I look back at that and think, why and how did how did even that happen? And that that was even allowed because it's a scary operation for a right. 93 year old woman. And we were I was in the hospital with her and a woman named Miranda Esmond White from Eccentrics came up on Channel 13. And um, if anybody's ever seen her um, talking about Eccentrics, um, she'll be very from time to time be on Channel 13. And. Um, I saw this woman who was my age, you know, an elder, and she was talking about movement for life, about how you can extend your life through movement, how this kind of movement can be done at any age with any body, that movement was functional movement, a, an exercise program that sort of helped everybody with functional, that is everyday daily movements, walking up the stairs, walking down the stairs, being able to, you know, reach up high. And that she had developed this whole technique, this whole fitness program based on functional movement. Um, and I got very excited about it, mostly because um, Miranda came from a dance background. So I, she in fact used to be a Canadian ballerina. So I really related to the fact that what she had done in this program was put together uh, influences of ballet and Tai Chi. Now mm. those are really different movement forms, movement disciplines. Um, but when you start to learn what eccentrics is about, it makes sense. Um, and I think if, if, I, if I can, I'd like to explain what eccentric contractions are. Absolutely, that's let's do that. that basis of this program. So we all know that um, a concentric a contraction is a shortening of the muscle. It's when the joint comes closer. So the angle in the joint 
decreases. So when you see somebody kind of um, flexing their muscle and making their bicep show, that's a concentric contraction. When you extend the arm, right? So from that bent elbow, when you extend it, you are lengthening and you're strengthening the muscle. Um, Now that happens for a bunch of reasons. There's actually a lot of the muscle cells are, there's only 70% of the muscle cells that are involved in extend in, in extension. So they're working harder. And there's another law in physics that is called the longer the lever, the heavier the load. So if you think if everyone just even could where you are, bend your arms like you're flexing it, that is a concentric, and then extend it, you see that the lever, which is the full arm, is longer and it's heavier. So that when the muscles have to work with a heavier load as in an eccentric contraction, they are working harder and therefore you become stronger because the muscles are working so hard. Um, But at the same time, you're lengthening it. And usually those two concepts don't come together. Both the lengthening and strengthening are usually thought of as polar opposites. Mm. In actually, in this case, what the con- the basic concept of eccentric contractions is heavy loads that are lengthened and being strengthened. So, um, you know, I think that we're very used to seeing bodybuilders who are lifting weights and they're building up their body with bulky muscle- muscles. And it was, it is often kind of seen as the, you know, the face of beauty is to have those kind of bulbous muscles. But in fact, when we get those bulbous muscles from, you know, lifting weights, what happens to our joints is we actually get um, compression. Mm. So when the muscles are all around those joints from heavy lifting, concentric contractions, you have a very compressed body. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, except that that compression sort of blocks your mobility. Mm-hmm. So then when you want to have a free, open arm that can move around in space, you you have these bulky muscles around in your chest, on your shoulders, you know, on your arm, on the front and the back of your arm. And suddenly mobility is not so easy. Um, You know, I think a really good way to think about the way that eccentric contractions changes your body and strengthens to think of about a ballet dancer. Mm -hmm. Ballet is all about lengthening and strengthening. If you think of a ballet uh, dancer in an arabesque, you know what an arabesque is when they bring their leg up high, like hip hip height. And we've all seen ballerinas, like they're on toe or even just on flat foot and they're bringing their leg way up or they're bringing it way up to their head. Now that is all eccentric contractions. And you know those dancers are very strong, right? They, in fact could be just as strong in their legs as some of those bodybuilders are in their arms, but they don't look like those bodybuilders. They have these beautiful, like a a ballet dancer's body is like long and it's lengthened and extended. And I think, um, you know, that was, like I mentioned a lot from um, eccentrics, the founder Miranda's background is this ballet background, right? And so, um, I think that 
when you do these kind of contractions and you have a training program based on that, your body shape changes. Mm. It's stronger, but you get longer <laughs> and you get um, an extended look to your muscles, which is actually, you know, wonderful because you now are, you are decompressing your joints. You're not compressing them. You're getting space in the joint to have more mobility and greater flexibility. Right, right. Yeah, I think that is, um, you know, an issue that we face. And I think a lot of, you know, shoulder, knees, hips, it's the compression of the joints, right? It's not the, not the release. And I find myself after sitting, um, you get up and you're like, holy cow, you know, you really need. And, and so we think about it just in terms of flexibility. But I think you're you're absolutely right that it's it's about strengthening, not just being more flexible. And that flexibility comes from building the strength. And a lot of times what happens is the lack of flexibility comes from weakness, right, of the muscles. Exactly. Very often. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of different elements to this, you know, fitness program. You know, please tell me when I need to stop if I if you're going to. Sure. Take yeah, um, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes, but go on, go okay. on. So, um, you know, I think the one of the first elements that are very exciting to talk about that is in the scientific, in the fitness world in, that everyone is talking about is fascia, right? Mm-hmm. And so what is fascia? Fascia is a connective tissue that covers every part of your body, every organ, every bone, every nerve, every blood vessel. It, it's an enveloping connective tissue. Like you could think of it as a kind of uh, body stocking mm -hmm. <laughs> that comes tightly all over your body, stretches over your body. And it's now understood as a greater more important part of our anatomy than we ever realized because there are nerves that communicate from one part of the fascia to another part which has a lot to do with why when you're injured in your hip you might feel it in your shoulder right okay that's fascia uh, is is talking to it, it to another part of the body okay on on that note on fascia uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, there's a lot more to come. When we come back, we'll be talking a lot more with Diane Jacobowitz, a teacher of eccentric fitness concepts, uh, and she'll continue with fascia. So don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Diane Jacobowitz uh, about eccentrics fitness and creative movement. Before the break, we were talking about the the concept of or the the uh, how um, fascia fits into the you know aspects of eccentrics and uh, and our bodies in terms of movement. So I'm going to continue with talking about fascia and then move on to a couple other things. But let's finish that discussion, Diane. Great. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing I'd like to say is when we as dancers or just as scientists and biologists started to learn about anatomy, we used to learn about it as separate body parts, right? Like your arm, the muscles of the arm, you know, the nerves of the arm, the bones of the arms, the joints, everything was separate, uh, separate by joint or by bones or by nervous system. And now we're realizing that the body is really all connected through fascia so the the thing that was on top of everything when everyone would take apart bodies and start to look at them they would just tear off the fascia like it wasn't important and look at the organs but now we're understanding that the body is a holistic whole and we understand this through fascia fascia moves with you when we move we are hydrating our body through connective tissue so if everyone listening just took their arm right across to touch the shoulder, opposite shoulder, and open their arm, you're actually moving fascia across your body. Now, why is this important? The body lives through hydration. The fascia muscle, when we move, is hydrating our body. So yes, we need to hydrate with water, but guess what? We need to hydrate through movement mm-hmm. because that movement is feeding into our muscles, is feeding into our joints. Now, when we get injured, like you mentioned, when we overuse or when we have poor posture, the fascia, the fascia is like wax. So it will listen to what you're, the information you're giving. So if you are humped over, slumped over, sitting in your chair for hours, guess what? The fascia says, hey, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. If that's how you're going to move, I will hump over with you. And then that's when you see the dowager's hump in so many elder people, right? Mm-hmm. Where they are rounded over, their chests are, are, are concave, and their backs are rounded over, their necks are strained, and they can't straighten up anymore. Mm-hmm. So, that they can't straighten up anymore unfortunately is because of fascia so 
the fascia like liquid mat wax. It stays liquid when we're moving. When we stop moving and we stay in one position, like sitting for long periods of time, the fascia conforms to the shape that we are. It just follows us wherever we go, right? But it starts to harden. And then continually sitting and continually slumping, or if you're leaning over, or if you've done um, also in an injury, the fascia will follow that and harden. And what happens from that is pain. Okay. Now, in order to release it, you, you know, if you've had a uh, surgery or if you've had an accident and you've hurt one part of your body, the fascia will want to heal. So it'll come, it'll collect around the in injury. And as it collects, it hardens. It's doing it to try to protect you, right? Because you have a injury there or you've had surgery there. The fascia will collect around it, but as a result, you get a pinching, and that pinching is very painful because mm. the body is trying to heal. Uh, so, you know, sometimes when you, that's why they do foam rollers and you're rolling out the fascia. Um, the fascia, when it's hardened like that, can cause a lot of pain. And when you're doing movement like eccentrics and you're able to move your whole body and hydrate and keep the fascia moving, you have a better chance of feeling mobile, flexible, and have a body that can move for life. Right. So the key, the takeaway here is keep that fascia moving. <laughs> keep it in movement. Sure. Yeah. You know, you don't have to think of it that way. You can just think about movement, about right. moving, but also not just one part of the body. You know, that's another thing that's great about eccentrics is that it does rebalancing. So rebalancing, yeah, like if you think of a car, right? car whose wheels are lined up and one tire is out of alignment, right? That car is going to crash, right? That one, one tire is like at a right angle or it's, it's skewing, you know, it's not going to go forward on the road with all four tires going. So you, when the body has one part of it out of balance, you know, like uh, you're just not using your legs, you're just always moving your arms, then then you're out of balance. And I think one thing that's really important when you do do fitness is that you rebalance your body so that all the, the front, the back, the arms, the legs, the top, the bottom, everything is, is exercise so that you have an opportunity to rebalance the whole body mm -hmm. so that everybody like, like mother Hubbard with a lot of children, everybody gets fed, you mm -hmm. know, like that everybody gets taken care of that. You don't overwork one part of the body but that we are kind to all of all of our body by moving all of our body parts right so in doing so i mean it, it has impact on your posture right and then you've mentioned also in terms of the your energy level so talk about that a little bit how it right, affects that yeah. so um i think that the energy level when you develop strength so we all have mitochondria these tiny little energy, they're sort of fuel burning um, elements within each cell. The more that you work, the, your, work your body, the more that you move your muscles, the more that you do any kind of movement, particularly strength, strengthening movements, your mitochondria grow. When you stop doing strength training of any kind, your mitochondria, they will wither and die. They won't, they're not, they're there to, for fuel burning for your energy 
And when your mitochondria start to die off, the muscle cells start to die off and your, your, your muscles start to atrophy, right? And that's what we call aging, mm. right? So, you know, it's a matter of um, really keeping the strength going so that our mitochondria keep growing. And the more you have mitochondria, the younger you will feel because they're energy burning parts of our cell. Um, so the strength training part is really important, but how you do it, of course, is a different matter. And, and in, in eccentrics, it's essentially through these eccentric contractions. Right. Um, you know, one other thing I wanted to say was about um, the fascia goes down in chains so that when we move, the body tends to like circles. So when you move your body in flowing ways, the body loves that because it gets a chance to, it, it's set up in these chains that run down the body or they go diagonally and it helps you be, the body gets happy when it gets a chance to feel those muscle chains, that kind of circularity, that kind of flow. And then you find that your body has kind of a harmony in the universe. And that's where I think the Tai Chi comes in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any one of your listeners who might be familiar with, you know, Tai Chi or, um, you know, the Chinese um, ways of movement, they are all about flow, right? So what is happening here is kind of movement um, in the fascia and movement in the muscle chains that create a circularity, that create breath and flow. And those are things that are not hard to do and that actually create ease in the body, that create calmness in the body and are hydrating your muscles at the same time. Yeah. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just going back to the beginning here, it, similarity with tai chi and your initial passion of dance you have that circularity in dance right too i mean your body is moving you know three-dimensionally yes you and know. i think that three-dimensionality is a really important statement what you just said because that's what the body likes is to be able to move front and back on diagonals and that we're capable of doing those things. We tend to limit ourselves in our movement life, right? We think, well, front or back. And very often, as we get older, we think more like front, front, or, you know, hanging over with, you know, shoulders, um, stooping is a very frontal. And, it's, and we start to limit our space. Right. So when you see someone who's very hunched over with a dowager's hump and you were to ask them to open their arms and feel the space on either side of their body, it might be hard for them, but actually it would be really good for them. And I think that um, giving movement to people, particularly as we get older, that does um, embrace three dimensionality. I love that you said that. Because that is the world, right? That's the right. world we live in. That's the spatial environment that our body moves in. And that's actually what our body likes to, likes to do. There's like body health in feeling the space around you. Right. And we've been doing precisely the opposite in, in our technological world, which yes. we've been flattening it. So yes. we now, you know, we saw it's the two-dimensionality. We're looking straight ahead at a screen. And now we've compounded it by looking down at our cell phones all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we had the dowager's hump, hunt, hump has become <laughs> the teenager's hump. You know? Yeah, I know. And everyone's worried that they're going to grow some extra bones back there that are not useful in the neck um, because every, you know, all the teenagers and, and above <laughs> all there are got their heads cocked forward um, in a permanent position looking at their phones. And I, I would just say to all of us, because we all do it, mm-hmm. um, to, to try to remember those moments, just like with sitting, to keep it, um, to keep giving yourself those breaks, right? So if you've been looking at your phone for a half an hour straight, maybe put it down, put it down, walk around, go open your eyes and see the sky, see like, Find some birds to look at. Right. Look at the top of the trees and let your neck go the other direction so that your eyes can open and you can smell fresh air. Right, right. One of the things that I, I didn't think about, uh, you know, until it happened was that we, our family, specifically one of our sons, got a puppy. <laughs> and, you know, which uh, for many people who've gone through this, like having a kid and you have a lot of work to raise a puppy or a small animal and it's like okay but you know what this is a good thing because getting that attention an animal needs gets you out of your desk gets you up gets you walking you take them for a walk your body moves so you know sometimes you need to you know take advantage of those breaks and actually be grateful for them not like oh this is interrupting you know, three hours of staring at a screen, you know? Well, also puppies and kittens and babies for that matter um, are a relationship, Mm -hmm. right? So there's an emotional component to that. There's a connection. There's a feeling of empathy, of caring and of like reaching, oh, like the puppy looks like he hurt his leg, like to what can I do to help him? I mean, those are wonderful emotions to have for human beings, particularly for kids who are like stuck inside of social media and cannot get out. But for all of us, you know, it's a it's a relationship with a being who needs care. And I think having growing our empathy, um, our empathetic nerves, so to speak, is um, is a positive attribute for being a human being and enjoying life better. Right, right. Um, let's. Uh, we we have another segment coming up, but let's let's um, take a shift now and just start looking at um, the notion of creative movement and sort of how you've you know broadened your thoughts about movement as we as you and all of us have gotten older, um, and that you in fact you know have classes in in you know creative movement for elders. Yeah. So um, you know there is, as many people know, there is a whole movement called creative aging. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fairly new in the sense that the concept, um, yeah, they always had arts and crafts and senior centers and, you know, poetry reading and stuff. But this was is more scientifically based in the sense that um, there is a really joyous life uh, giving element to to teaching the arts in particular um, in a creative way for elders, because it activates a whole nother part of the brain. Now, this is really different than fitness. And fitness, everyone loves eccentrics and it feels really good, but it is not, let's face it, it's a fitness program. When I teach creative movement with adults, it's totally a different um, 
it's it's a different world because we're talking about um, not you following me, the teacher. I do this, you do this. I do this, you do this. We go up, we go down. We all do it following me. And there's no expression in that. I mean, it's wonderful. And I could speak forever about Eccentrics. It's the best fitness program I ever encountered. But in terms of the creative aspect of human beings, that part of us that has a voice that wants to be expressive, that wants to have say something to the world. You can't find that in a fitness program, right? So what I think is really exciting and wonderful is to allow people to come up with their own movement. And how do you do that? Well, what if you were to ask people, what is it like to be springy or bouncy? And then what is it like to be stiff? And could you show me a movement that's springy? And bouncy, and can you show me a movement that's stiff? And people will come up with their own movement. Can you have a conversation between springy and stiff? And could we make a dance out of that? Or could we look at this artwork? Could we look at this painting and look at movement that we see in it? And there's a million things that I could say about this, but I think that what's really exciting about that is there's no right or wrong. It's it's opening a portal into who you are and being able to express yourself with and be validated for it, to be empowered for it. So whatever you come up with, however you are moving, and if we kind of improvise together, or if we all kind of feel we're looking at a painting and we're trying to find movement in it, or poetry and trying to find movement in that, it's coming from you. It's movement that's being expressed by yourself and with no right or wrong and no restriction. And that is a really healthy um, opportunity for our brains and our bodies. Right. So some of this um, actually, uh, I, I think you mentioned, affects our brain. You know, the movement actually affects how our brain functions. Yes, yes. Um, so when you move like this, your brain cells increase and you, your brain begins to, has to follow that, right? So, oh, so now you're moving in new ways. Your brain is always involved in that. It actually increases your brain cells and it increases, therefore, your longevity because you're sort of stretching your imagination, so to speak. Mm. And that's like a physical, metaphysical concept, which is a health um, inspiring moment for your whole body. You know, if you get to express springtime and beauty with your body in your own way, your body will embrace that. And your brain will say, will, will read that joy by increasing brain cells. Right. So um, it's scientific. Right. Okay. Artistic. So right. Anyway. So uh, on that note, uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, but don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, we have one more uh, dynamic segment with Diane Jacobowitz coming up. Uh, so uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. 
Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Diane Jacobowitz, uh, certified eccentric fixes uh, teacher. Um, before the break, we were talking about eccentrics and also about creative aging. Um, and uh, But before we continue, I just wanted to let you know that if even after our show, um, you can find out much more uh, from Diane from her website, which is fitnessempowerment.online. Is that right, Diane? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot more about her and her programs and her her ideas and philosophy on that on that site. So I'll uh, repeat that as the program ends. But uh, but let's continue our discussion of creative aging. And uh, uh, we were talking before the break about how um, movement, in fact, changes how our brain functions. So let's just keep talking about aspects of creative aging. What else can you tell us about this? Yes. Um, before we um, before we go on, I just want to say one thing to everyone, which is that I very often encounter, um, particularly among elders, um, the statement, oh, I can't move. I have two left feet and I wouldn't dare to dance and I wouldn't dare even to go to a fitness class because I can't follow movement. And I want to encourage everyone to kind of let go of that statement in your head, because that statement is closing you off from a whole movement life that is available to you. And and here's the thing. You can dance in your kitchen. I'm a strong believer in kitchen dancing. And the reason that I say that is that I dance with my husband in the kitchen. We'll have the radio on. And between the refrigerator and the stove, we get a lot of movement going. And I, and, you know, perhaps he feels he has two left feet, but he lets it go when he's with me and there's some great music going now you might think oh how silly but you know not so silly because we're moving and we're doing it in an uninhibited way no one's watching 
and you can too. You can do it on your terms when you hear that favorite piece of music of yours and you're in your living room, you're in your dining room, you're in your kitchen, wherever you are, and you the urge to move comes up, go ahead, do it. Go yeah. ahead, do it. I could not encourage you more. And I'm dead serious about that because there is a lot of value in not prohibiting yourself, putting that wall down with a statement and judgment about what you can and can't do. Just wanted to put that out there for well, everyone. I- yeah, I appreciate that, and I think I think there's a, there are a lot of inhibitions about dancing, and you know culturally, and certainly you know when you go to events, you know people get up and people come like, well, and I'm not going to get up and dance, you know, and uh, and yet as you point out, there's something amazingly freeing about it, and uh, and non-judgmental because people <laughs> we all go through that, and and not that many of us are formally trained. It's not about that. It's not about that. And, you know, so when I teach like creative aging in movement, mm-hmm. um, in dance, um, I think w- one of the wonderful things that happens in those classes is that people begin to feel like they have a voice and that their voice is valid. Um, I find more and more that when I'm teaching older people and I've asked, and I'm one of them, by the way, let's, let's be clear. I'm an elder, but, um, I will ask them, what does empowerment mean? And do you feel that your voice is heard? And very often people don't. People feel that when they enter the room because they're older, their voice is not heard. And I think one of the values of doing movement in a class that is a creative experience is that everyone's voice is valid. Everyone is empowered. It's not like, oh, you can lift your leg up to your head. Oh, what a great dancer you are. That's the antithesis of what a creative uh, aging class in movement is about. It's about, wow, you did that squirrely little movement with your arm. How cool is that? Could you think we could all try to imitate Ron doing that, you know, and empowering everyone? So it does that. It's about express being able to be expressive. It's about being able to be in touch with your feelings, how you feel, joy, sadness, anger, letting it come out in movement which is very, very healthy. Um, It gives you new ideas. It gives you the opportunity to communicate and relate to other people. Now, this is very important, is that as we get older, one of the really important things to be doing as um, an older person is to be in a community that Mm -hmm. supports you, to be able to go to a place where you could move, for example, um, and feel like there's a community around you who are like, hey, that's cool, you know, that you're doing that. We can all do this and we can all feel foolish together. And there's a heck of a lot of value to that. So, um, you know, and also, you know, being able to relate to someone else in movement, it's very exciting and it's very, um, yeah, it's empowering and it, relationship and caring for other people and other people caring for you are really key to um, other underpinnings of a class like that. Um, But like I said, even if you can't be involved in a class like that, you can, you can move at home. You can move at home and you can move with your favorite partner uh, and, and find ways to bring movement into your life. And allow yourself, give yourself the permission to do it. Right. There are, you know, there are a couple aspects uh, that occur to me as you're talking. It's just uh, sort of on two two different um, planes, which is one is that 
the relief of stress, the release of stress. Um, and on the flip side, the increase of positivity, which we know from a lot of research really does have a, a very uh, real impact on our longevity and our health. So I think that this movement is tied into that as well, right? Yes, so you're getting your endorphins going, which are really your happy hormones. And happiness and positive mindset are key. They, they To me, you know, I, I, I forget to mention them because they come so naturally with movement, but I do believe that when we move, our bodies are happy and our brains are happy. And that makes us sort of healthy, happy, um, endorphin-creating beings who can live longer because we have a kind of a positive mindset about this and also non being non-judgmental about your own ability, you know, just like, what the heck, let me just go ahead and do it and look silly or feel silly. It's okay. Yeah. The last thing I want to mention that, that we've talked about before is just the, you know, so you started off with younger people, you know, motivating, inspiring younger people, and now you're with elder people. And that this whole enterprise really on movement is a multi-generational um, effort, right? Yes, it really is. And, um, you know, I feel that, so now I'm teaching a lot of classes for, uh, you know, I, at a, I'm teaching at a senior center. I'm teaching um, in Park Slope at, um good neighbors, which are also elder an elders group. And I teach my own um, classes online. Um, but I feel that uh, it's a different focus because I think um, it's a different focus and yes, it's a similar focus because I think there is what we all share in all ages is the love of movement and perhaps in a different way, but with, uh, you know, a lot of self-enhancement in, in both in all age groups, right? It is obvious. And if we can ever mix together inter-age um, dancing, I think that's something that I would love to see happen more often. Right. Now, do you have any um, multi-generational eccentrics classes? Do they, do they, do they exist or are they? They absolutely do exist. It, it is funny. I, in my, um, what my online eccentrics class, I have women who are like 30 Mm -hmm. And I have women who are like 70. So, yeah, it can happen. Intergenerational dance and movement can happen for sure. There's, right. a, there's a space for that. Right. Great. Um, so we're coming to a close. I just wanted to mention one thing about, um, you know, one aspect which we'll probably talk about. Uh, I want people to know that um, we still have a lot more to talk about. But uh, luckily, we're going to have another show, as I mentioned at the, my, my introduction, with Diane on May 8th. So this is part one of two two shows, and we'll be talking a lot more about um, a process called tapping, which she'll explain more about in that show. But uh, and, and a lot of this has to do, as you've mentioned before, with um, um, healing, you know, the, dealing with, um, you know, it's releasing, but it's also how we can heal stuff right. that happens to our body. Yeah, I just, I do want to just briefly go back to eccentrics and how that, deals with healing so if okay. you see the body as a whole a holistic 
entity, right, with fascia that is speaking to itself through a nervous communicate through the nerves that go through fascia through that communication system. Um, when one part of the body is hurting, when one part of the body is injured, when one part of the body has had surgery of some kind, it is not localized. This is what we've understood. It is now, it may show up, pain may show up somewhere else. And so it's actually healing the whole body is what can heal one part of the body. Now, I I can't stress that enough because people will hurt their knee and they think it's all about the knee. And there's a lot about the knee, but it may actually be about their hip and they don't know it. It may be because their hip has been slightly malaligned that their knee went out or that they you know, pulled the muscle in their knee or their shoulder or their posture. And that's why the knee happened. So nothing in the body is isolated. Everything is connected to something else. So the way we go about healing is to move the whole body. It seems contraindicated, right? But in fact, when you move the whole body and you get the fascia moving and hydrating the whole body so that the blood and the hydration is going to the whole body, you start to heal everything. And since we don't know where always the root of the causes, that it seems like it's in the knee, but in fact, there's a tightness in the shoulder that may have caused it. Um, when we, when we, we treat the body holistically, we rebalance it. And that's how we can heal isolated, local pain and injury. Yeah, that's a really important notion because I think our tendency is to be very um, specifically oriented. Where you know we look at something and say, well, there's a problem with the knee, there's a problem with the shoulder or something, and we tend to just try to say, well, let's just fix that, and right. without any sense of you know taking a step back and um, and seeing what else is going on, how they're related. So. I think it gives a real uh, sense of the um, texture to the notion of holistic medicine. Yeah, and there's one more thing to say about that, which is that very often and not always, like you hurt your back and you're like, okay, I'm not doing anything now. For three weeks, I'm going to lie on my back and I'm just going to heal. Now, this is a balance. Like you do need to rest. There is no no argument for me about the, the beauty and the value of rest. But to stop moving all together for weeks on end is also not, that's actually a pretty extreme. Now, we have been brought up in a culture where, you know, you hurt yourself, lie down, just rest, don't do anything. And in fact, movement, moving gently, I'm, I'm talking about gentle now, like nothing forced, nothing aggressive, nothing, not moving in the pain, but moving gently can actually get that fascia moving and can help heal. And I think that's really an innovative concept that right. is hard for us. It's kind of new, you know, I mean, we really don't, haven't thought of it that way yeah, before. Great, okay. And that's where we'll have to leave it today. But as I said before, don't worry, we have another segment coming up, Diane, on May 8th. Um, so if you uh, tell your friends if they missed today's podcast with Diane, you can listen to it on voiceamerica.com. You can also get more information about Diane on my website, robotresources.com. Click on the 45 forward tab. Uh, so now uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, when I'll be talking with Rebecca Wildbear, the author of The Wild Yoga, 
the creator of a yoga practice called Wa Yoga, uh, which links healing practices of yoga with the reverence for nature. So until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.